your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello then, welcome to Stick Around Prepare yourself for another sick burn from the blooming brilliant podcast that's been Biden its time your primary source of music reviews, we defy all convention. <laughs> oh, fucking awful lot. Uh, <laughs> Awfully good. Uh, brought to you by the Amazing Raisin Bar. Um, we're bringing the 70s back. You know, sexism, um, racism, chocolate bars. Raisin, raisins. <laughs> Raisinism. Raisinism. <laughs> Uh, you're here for Stick Around uh, Music with um, a Best of 2019 list in March of 2020. Uh, I'm here with music expert Clive Fisher. Ahoy, hi. And music expert Michael Johnson. Yo. <laughs> that was very deep, actually. That was very deep. Um, I thought Louis Armstrong had just sort of like arrived. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you guys feeling? This feels like... I- I've listened to most of Michael's list, so I'm actually, you know, I'm ready for this. I don't know about Clive's list, but how are you feeling? I mean, my list is just my own album, five times. Right, okay. <laughs> um, which I know you've heard, so yeah, it's fine on my list. It's bloody great. Um, <laughs> Get that on the cover. It's like <laughs> if Bob Dylan fellated wow. Jimi Hendrix and then it, <laughs> you know, was a sound... <laughs> it's definitely going on the cover. That's going <laughs> like if Bob Dylan played Jimi Hendrix and it was a sound. That is the idol. I, I mean, it totally doesn't describe it at all, but <laughs> <laughs> but also does. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. Um, I don't know if you're going to have heard many of mine now. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if there's any crossover. I've got in my head. I've got. No crossover at all, but then possibly number one to cross it over. That's my sort of hunch. I'm not going to say anything more well, than that. But so. Right, well, let's get this one going. Um, we're going to go to... Clive first. <laughs> Everyone's sounding so, so deep today. That was today. suspenseful. That was. I couldn't, I'm not sure I can handle the suspense. Um, was that the noise okay. that happens when Dylan Fullert's Hendrix? Uh, yes. <laughs> That's the opening 30 seconds of Idle Owl's new album. <laughs> Hence why I'm getting royalties. I can confirm that is the case. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, okay. My number five. Right, um, I'm going to, as usual, I like to waffle before I start the list. The very close, this is very close. A little bit, I think you said this in your films list, uh, Al, that you could have kind of put them anywhere on, on any given day. It's a little bit like this here. This is how I felt this morning when I wrote this list. Um, it's very tight I, I kind of love them all but anyway at number 5 of my favourite albums of 2019 is an album by Elado Negro called This Is How You Smile um, uh, Elado Negro is Roberto Carlos Lang Langi Langi I don't know who's a South Florida native born to Ecuadorian immigrants and based in Brooklyn um, also he's called Roberto Carlos which great yeah, I mean cool. He's Ben's pro- a great free kick. Yeah, he's probably got a <laughs> cracking left foot on him, um, as well as making some really good music. 
Um, I watched one the other day on a, on a, tan- on a Roberto Carlos tangent, which is my favourite kind of tangents. Um, <laughs> Josh Keithley of this podcast sent me a video of Roberto Carlos crossing it from basically on the... It wasn't even the corner flag, it was like closer to the goal. And he somehow scored, like, it, and it looked like he meant it. It was, it was weird. Absolute amazing. wizard. Yeah, it was just ridiculous, but fabulous. But anyway, this is a different Roberto Carlos with a very different skill set. Um, he's Roberto Carlos Lang's upbringing provides kind of essential elements to his songwriting, including his consistently bilingual English and Spanish lyrics. Uh, this is his sixth studio album. Uh, in case some of you are going, oh, this is exactly what I read off Wikipedia earlier on original. Yes, it is. All my introductions <laughs> are off Wikipedia, which you should know by now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this bit isn't. It's this is chilled and beautiful. It's kind of varied enough to keep it interesting and an album which, with a kind of generally happy and positive feel, that only um, doesn't really get irritating, which I find a lot of happy positive albums can do. But kind of not only that, it gets I think more enjoyable with each listen. It's kind of got a lot of depth to it. Um, the vocals are really warm and gentle, sort of uh, Roberto Carlos. I'm gonna just keep calling him that, even that's his middle name. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he sings kind of with like barely above a whisper really and the production's really soft um, sort of I'm going to describe it as cloud-like with sort of heavily smoothed out drums really simple and sparse piano and guitar chords uh, it's very inoffensive very uh, works brilliantly as background music but if you concentrate on it it kind of really sucks you in um, the songs here, uh, they're mainly probably, I don't know, the six splits probably, it's not scientific, but 60-40, 60% English, 40% Spanish, maybe a bit more towards English. However, even when he's singing in English, his melody's got a very sort of distinctly Spanish vibe. Um, it's, it's, to me, it reminds me most of an album called Little Joy, which was probably five or six years ago uh, by the, I forgot his name now, the drummer of The Strokes and some other people that are in other bands that are good. Uh, did, did an album together and it was this really relaxing kind of Spanish influenced chilled album and this really reminds me of that it's a really sort of warm hub of, hu- warm hug of an album one that takes you in forces you to look at the stars and smile and my favourite songs on it are Running Todo le que me sorry I'm going, I really want to know the Spanish pronunciation here Todo le que me falta and País Nublado wow um, yeah, which was three great tracks. It's, it's great. It, it came out of nowhere. I was like, what is this? It was on some sort of list. I, I love reading lists. Uh, so this one was on some list. I was like, I've not heard it. Put it on. And I just immediately got sucked in and taken. Just brilliant. I've had, it's one of those that I always, you know, you can put on whenever. It's like, I want to listen to an album attentively and get into it. Yeah, put this on. Need something under the background while I hoover. Sure, put this on. Need something while I do some ironing. Also works. <laughs> Very versatile. Well, um, great album number five, Helado Negro. This is how you smile. Michael, any thoughts? Um, no, it sounds amazing, but I, I don't know anything about it, and have not heard it. So the scope for discussion is limited. But right, well, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> that's heard. The t- that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the scope for discussion is limited. Uh, I haven't heard I like it, it either. <laughs> Um, so I can't add a comment, but bloody loved Roberto Carlos when he was playing football. <laughs> Apparently, nearly signed for the Borough. Um, one of those urban legends didn't do yeah. so. Oh, that'll be so good. Oh, yeah, um, he was great. 
There's not enough people who just twat it anymore. John Arnarisa was another candidate. Yeah, yeah, specifically left backs who twat a football. Yeah, there's not enough anymore. Some of the What's finest happened? players to have ever played the game are left backs who twat a football. <laughs> yeah, um, the best. Um, right, okay, Michael Johnson. What have you got as your number five? Okay, so it's been uh, it's been an outstanding year for music again. Um, as I seem to say every year, I pity people who don't like contemporary music. There were a few contenders for this number five spot, which is, like we were just saying, the hardest one to pick, I think, when you're doing a top five. So I think it's worth mentioning a couple of the albums that nearly made it in there. Um, Schlagenheim, the debut album by the British noise rock, experimental noise rock outfit, Black Midi. Good album. Yeah, hell of an album. And um, Igor by Tyler, the creator, which I think... You know, could arguably arguably be his best album. He just keeps on getting better and better and refining his style. So uh, they were both definite contenders. But in the end, I've gone with a late entry that I hadn't heard until um, not that long ago that's crept in and has been pretty ubiquitous album throughout the year and especially at the start of 2020. It's uh, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go Up by Billie Eilish. As I say, obviously, coverage of, um, of her and her music has been... Um, pretty saturated recently I think what a lot of people don't appreciate is that Billie Eilish is is essentially a duo because all of the music is produced by um, by her brother and I think that is the obviously her vocals are very unique and um, that's a critical part of the appeal but I think the production is equally important and that's when you put the two together that's what really makes this such a strong album uh, the production is very unpredictable and therefore exciting. It's dark but extremely textured and luxurious. Um, creates some amazing atmospheres. Uh, the album's quite diverse in terms of style. It's um, it's gothic. It's in, quite industrial in a lot of parts. Obviously heavily, heavily electronic. Definitely hip-hop inspired. And it closes out with a couple of ballads as well. Um... I think Eilish has been brought to an even wider audience recently with her um, with her Bond song, which I thought was okay. I didn't think it was um, superb because I think it, by by fitting into the Bond formula, it reins in a lot of the things that I've just mentioned that make the music on the album so interesting. So yeah, I thought it, it took away a little bit of that character, which will happen if you try to I think fit into a certain box. I'm not saying it was a bad thing. Obviously, it was done uh, in order to fit the thematics and style of of, the, of Bond songs. But yeah, obviously, this album's benefited from having a lot of time taken over it since uh, Eilish first sort of started to gain exposure a couple of years ago, which is mind blowing considering she's uh, still only 18 now. Um, and I mean, we've. We've talked a lot about um, on podcasts before about how amazing it is that certain artists made certain uh, certain works at such a young age, but I don't think I could think of one that's quite as good at such a young age as this one is. So it just sort of begs the question of um, how exciting and interesting a career could follow on from this. And I think what 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 strikes me is that I've been listening to. Um, some rock and metal shows on the radio in the last couple of weeks and it struck me that Eilish's name was coming up as an inspiration and an interest to metal artists as much as it is to pop artists and I think that's extremely interesting very exciting in terms of 
the sort of directions in which um, you know they could go in the future. Yeah, the, and the, the version I've got has uh, you know because I, I got it later than it came out. It has all the bonus tracks, and as I say, even though even though I wasn't blown away by the bond. The Bond song, I think every other single track that I've heard come out of the project thus far has been, um, you know, excellent. So this this album, it took a few listens to re- to really click with me, uh, but it's, I mean, it's about, it's 13 tracks, it's 12 tracks proper, I think, and it's extremely consistent, but very different within that. And I think, I don't want to insult it by calling it an important album, but clearly it's one that's not going to be forgotten. And I think the, the, the much-discussed style that Eilish sings in, this sort of breathy, almost whispered style, uh, I think maybe maybe it's been slightly oversold as to how innovative it is, but on the other hand, it's also one of those bits of genius where it seems simple, but you think, well, if it's so simple, why did nobody else do it before? So it's a very... Um, unique sort of flavour to it in that sense but yeah this is a I don't know how many people there are left that haven't heard the album but it's uh, one that people should check out um, because it is it is packed with tunes as well as being quite a landmark release it seems that's probably going to have a lot of influence on a lot of people I think Excellent, Uh, Clive are you a fan? Yeah yeah I like this yeah I think it to put it in context I think I listened to maybe like maybe like 50 albums this year this is somewhere in the high teens, I'd say, probably. Yeah. I was going to plonk it somewhere. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Pretty much agree with everything Michael said. Um, I think for me, maybe the whispery vocals got a bit too much after for a whole album. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why I haven't put it higher. But I can certainly see uh, everything you're saying is definitely valid. And I could certainly see why someone would put it in the top five because I think it is really unique. Um, and considering it's like a pop album, very inventive and I don't know it's, it's great to see how well she's doing with something that's really creative and not just <laughs> the usual uh, stuff that does well if you know what I mean yeah certainly because so much of this album so much of this music that gets recognised heavily at the Grammys for example where they swept the board this year basically is usually so inoffensive and bland but you can't say mm-hmm. that about this and that's that's refreshing no. and I just want, to, just want to mention as well that I think it makes excellent use of lyrical counterpoint this because it deals with some quite heavy themes like um heartbreak mental health drugs uh youth but i think it does so in a very playful way uh which sounds like a strange thing to say but um i think there's a lot of humor as well as darkness on this album and uh it's an interesting mixture yeah, definitely. Cool. There's quite a few, um, which is a bit more of a modern thing. Like, haven't there's some skits in there of just her hanging out? It's I think remember. Yeah, which I think is quite effective as well. It makes the album feel a bit more intimate, despite it having like loads of production. I think that's like a, a thing that I enjoy. Yeah, that's the that, modern sort of thing that's good. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but um, I really should mention because I thought this was great. There's a couple of moments where you're listening to it. And I think that it happens twice throughout the album, from what I remember. You just hear sirens in the background. And I don't know if that was done naturally or by effect, but I really mm. loved that. I thought it, it um, lent it a real authenticity and uh, sort of brought you into the into the production, into the studio. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, definitely. But yeah, um, I, I, worth mentioning in terms of skits, I love the opening of the album of her just taking her Invisalign out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I've um, I've listened to maybe I don't know three or four songs from this just because you know um, she's so massively famous, but I can't say I've listened to the entire thing. 
I am, however, absolutely sick of Bad Guy, uh, just because it's on every single advert going. Uh, like, um, it make it's trying to sell me broad broadband. It's trying to sell me insurance. Um, but yes, I am a fan. But that song, although it's a, it, it is a good song, has been vastly <laughs> overused. Is it, vastly is it man- overused. Has it managed to sell you any of those things? Uh, no. Did you not feel like you could get some insurance and be a real bad guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it didn't work. No, to be honest with that you, was, that was probably exactly what was said. It sold me. It, it sold me. I've insured everything. <laughs> insured my pen. I think the um, I think adverts in general usually have the opposite effect because uh, I can be a little bit of a contrarian. Oh, you're trying to sell me that, are you? Right, no. I'm going to go and buy you competitors' <laughs> product. Um, trying to sell me a Snickers. Fuck off! I hate Snickers. <laughs> I think the only um, the only adverts that work on me are film trailers, and even then, that's not always a sell. But um, I think adverts for something creative maybe would sell me something, but for any other products, probably not. Well, no, I know what you mean. I mean, I they annoy me, and I, but I don't see them very much. So because I don't watch telly, I remember it's whenever I go around someone's house and they've got ITV or something, and I'm just like. Oh my god, adverts are so annoying. But and then, well, I don't really watch the NFL anymore. But when I used to, oh my god, American adverts are a whole new level of annoying. <laughs> uh, and I just want to throw the television and everything attached to it straight out the window, screaming "fuck off" or something like that. I don't think there'll be. A, I don't think there'll be a greater marketing crime than. I think I'm pretty sure it was last year. Mercifully, I've forgotten which one it was now, but it was someone using Teenage Riot by Sonic Youth to sell fragrance. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> I just want to see what happens in these marketing meetings, you know. Well, uh, yeah. well, uh, well another one of my favourites, not not exactly the same, obviously, but uh, Sky Sports using Gorilla Radio on an advert for Formula One. Oh, <laughs> I, I was going to imagine that if you had <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on to his number four, Clive. What have you got? My number four is oh, I should have really researched how to pronounce this. Jame uh, by Brittany Howard. J A I M E. Jamie. I'm not sure. I know it's named after I think her sister. So this is even worse. That I'm getting it wrong. Um, who I think died. Although I might be making that up. Um, so Brittany Howard is an American musician, singer and songwriter known for being the lead vocalist, guitarist and main songwriter of rock bands Alabama Shakes and Thunderbitch, which is an excellent name for a band. Love that. Um, unfortunately, I haven't heard neither of those, but I'm going to check out Alabama Shakes in particular because this is great. This is her debut solo album. Um, the, the, most thing that, the thing you'll probably notice as, as instantly when putting this on is that it's got really, really cracking vocals reminiscent of Nina Simone. It's got a production that's both sort of modern and yet timeless it feels like um how to describe it i suppose it feels a little bit like somebody some producer modern producers found uh something you know an album from the 70s lying around uh, that no one's ever listened to taken it and then added some 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 more modern production touches to it but in a very tasteful way and not in an overblown way that makes it at all really sound like necessarily that modern but it's certainly got a modern enough twist to it that it sounds different to stuff that came out in that area while still having a lot of the roots of it. The, the songs are really, really varied. You're never really sure what's going to come yet, come next. Um, and yet there's kind of a consistent glow that makes everything work <clears throat> in the context of the album. It's got 
this really is sort of quite muddy production, <clears throat> but it feels deliberately so to help um, Britney's kind of vocals soar over the top, which I think is a good choice. The album opens with a song called History Repeats, which is the funkiest thing this side of funk town all year. It is... It's just really, really, really infectious. Um, funkier, and although, than, uh, funkier than Iceland's Eurovision entry. Um, I've not heard that, so that might be even funkier than <laughs> something from Funktown. Sorry to interrupt. It's fine. I'll, I'll check it out, because if, if it's funky, I'm down. I, I love a bit of funk. I suspect it's going to be funky in an entirely different way. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, though. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that the album reaches kind of the um, the unbelievable heights of that song ever again. But it is um, consistently great. And for another, to pick out another song example, because I think this is um, unlike probably the other albums on my list. Uh, maybe there's another one that fits this category. Very much an album of songs. Uh, it doesn't, it, like I say, they do work as a consistent glue, but they also work taken out. And it's just an album set a, a little bit like a lot of 60s, 70s albums were an album of good songs. Uh, <clears throat> there's no necessarily, I think the songs are all about her, but there's no real theme throughout that I picked out. Um, I've not read loads of reviews of it, so I'm sure somebody cleverer than me has picked out some themes. Um, but yeah, it feels more like an album of songs, which is absolutely nothing against it. That is cool. Stay High is another example I want to say, because I, th- I think if Stay High was written in the 60s, it would still be, it'll be played all over the radios today. It's just a cracking, melodic, brilliantly performed song um, that, to me, is as soon as you listen to it, you just feel like, oh, this is a hit that I've been listening to for years. Uh, and you obviously haven't, because it's the first time you've heard it. But it's, <clears throat> it's great. So, yeah, I'd absolutely recommend this album. It's my number four, which is Brittany Howard, James, I'm going to look up how to pronounce it because I feel terrible for getting that wrong. Um, and other songs I'd recommend. So obviously History Repeats, which is an absolute banger. Possibly my favourite song of the year. Certainly would be in the top five songs of the year. Uh, Stay High, Short and Sweet, Goathead. They're all good. Uh, but yeah, check it out. It's really, really good. Another one that surprised me. Another one that was on a lot of lists and I'd been sort of holding off listening to it. I don't know why, just because I don't think I knew what it was about. And then I put it on. I was like, yes, this is great. Another one that you can kind of put on whenever and holds up to attentive and background listening brilliantly so yeah i'd recommend everyone check it out michael any thoughts again i haven't heard this so i can't comment but um i haven't actually listened to alabama shakes much at all either but they're um i know a lot of people uh love them so this sounds pretty interesting and yeah from what clive's saying it definitely definitely sounds worth the check out i love what you were saying there clive like when you think you've heard a song for years but actually it's brand new uh, that's that's a very difficult thing to capture i think but yeah i can think of some times i've experienced that as well it's awesome yeah right I- okay i've just uh, i've just looked this up and i feel like i've probably mentioned it the album um, is named after howard's sister who died at 13 after being diagnosed with a rare form of eye can uh, a rare form of eye cancer it was jame again i don't know if i'm pronouncing that wrong who first taught Brittany to write song and now she's writing her most unyielding and vulnerable ones. Uh, I'll stop the rest because that's all opinion from Pitchfork. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the uh, inspiration behind the album title. But go on, Al. Oh. Well, I was just going to move us on because I have nothing to add on that, unfortunately. Um, Michael, what do you have at number four? Yeah, thank you. At number four, I've got uh, Magdalene, the second album by uh, British artist FKA Twigs. So, uh, Twigs released uh, her first album, LP1, uh, appropriately titled, in 2014. So it had been quite a while um, until this album. 
Uh, I think there was some there were some health struggles involved in that. Um, part of the reason for the the gap. Uh, not that I think a five year gap is um, you know necessarily a bad thing ever. Uh, it's just probably quite rare again these days. So this is only a nine track um, album. It's trimmed of any fat whatsoever, but it's there isn't a wasted second on it. The songs are clearly very lived and have had a lot of nurture poured into them. I think the it's a heavy, heavily electronic approach to the production, which I think is one of the things that strikes me about it is that it seems to comprise of a lot of micro-production from a very wide range of producers. Uh, some big names on here, so Daniel Lapatan, Nicholas Jar, Skrillex, uh, Arker, who has previously collaborated a lot with FK Twigs, but then a whole range of more obscure producers as well. I think that's a really interesting approach to putting together the production for an album. Not something you see very often, but uh, I think if... if Working over a number of years and taking the bits that you like from certain compositions and productions and putting that together in the way you want to, I think is an interesting um, way of threading an album together that really, really works strongly in this case. Um, I think there's a lot of, even though some of it's more straightforward and basically takes the form of love songs lyrically, there's, there's a lot of religious imagery as hinted at by the title on the album, and I think... For me, overall, it takes the form of an epiphany as it unravels, and that's part of what's exciting about it. Um, to focus in on some particular tracks, I think Holy Terrain features Future. Now, I don't want to belittle Future because I'm a big fan of him as the sort of the de facto contemporary bluesman and the massive influence on the um, the range of American artists like Young Thug. Lil Uzi Vert, Playboy Carti. I think Future was the first to come up with that sort of the sing-songy, free-form vocal style of hip-hop, which really cuts to the with with its sound and its um, you know its timbres really cuts to the the core of the decay at the heart of contemporary pop music. And I think as as excellent as a lot of his output has been, it almost feels this song is so good that it almost feels as if. His entire career builds to this song, like a feature on someone else's uh, album, and I think that's amazing uh, and quite something to encapsulate in a track. Uh, but the track that's had the most interest from the album is the closing track, Cellophane, which is a devastating ballad, uh, touches partly on some of those health issues that I mentioned. Uh, it's really centred around that. What's what amazed me was like how much acclaim this had last year. It was obviously everyone was coming out with their uh, their best of lists at the end of last year uh, for the decade, and it was right up in the upper echelons of um, people's song of the decade lists, uh, even though it had only been out for a number of months. And I think that is a testament to uh, how powerful a song it is. I know some people named it the best song of last year, and um, I think it, it was often considered one of the best music videos of last year as well. FK Twigs learned how to pole dance just for this video, I believe, which is quite a commitment, but I think, again, really tells you a lot about the song. Uh, it's incredibly produced, primarily piano-based, but with um, an unforgettable, sort of minimalist, beatboxed percussion. Uh, so it's it's definitely one of the, the go-to tracks to check out. But the album, I think, really works best when listened to as a whole, some of it is um, sort of writhing, heavy electronic production. Other is a lot uh, more slowly paced. 
but equally enthralling for that. And um, yeah, I think it's it. This is an album as a as a true artistic statement, and it's it's the exact perfect length. It plays to all of FK FK Twig's strengths uh, in terms of vocally, the way she likes to arrange her music, the producers she likes to work with. Um, yeah, and I don't think it. As I said, apart from the the approach to the production, which I think seems to be quite unconventional. Um, and also the fact that it has a highly contemporary sound, I would say. Um, it doesn't do anything incredibly flashy, I wouldn't say. But that's that's not a criticism. Um, it's all the stronger for that. So I've got that ranked as, as high as four for me. Um, I'll chime in there, because this is one of the ones I've heard. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to chime in with not a lot, but um, <laughs> really enjoyed it. I think was it you, Michael, who told me about that brilliant tweet about FKA Twigs going to the gym? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't FKA Twigs going to the gym, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should, should be giving out credit for these tweets, but it was a phenomenal tweet. Uh, someone tweeted, <laughs> "Been to the gym, uh, was listening to FKA Twigs. Haven't been using the machines. I've just been running my hands along them and contemplating things." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, See, what? Yeah. I think what, that, what? that really that sums up the um well yeah, obviously the <laughs> contemplative nature of the music, but the um yeah, the spiritual and sensual feelings that really come to the fore in it. You've taken my point and said it better <laughs> than I could have done. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I really enjoyed it. Um I've only listened to it once, so I don't have any great deal great thoughts to add to it. Uh, Clive, is this one you've listened to? Um, it is, yeah. This is at my. I've just checked my my, my list. Um, this is at number twenty two. <laughs> the other one that he had was at number twenty eight or something, um, which is sounds bad. Absolutely not. I, I really loved it. Um, it's really beautiful. It's got really varied and interesting production, like you said. Um, I think the reason maybe it's gone down is because to, for me it was one that I absolutely had to sit down. I think I listened to it. It was on like the sixth or seventh list and where I got it properly because it was the, the time I absolutely sat down, really paid attention to it, and then really start really started to appreciate it. Yeah. So it's one that I'm probably not going to put on very much anymore after, just because I don't. I don't know. Those type of albums to me don't get. That much, as much play, it tends to be the ones that are good for that, but also are great to just have on that I tend to fall in love with the most because then I can live them, if you know what I mean. Um, this one felt quite specific as to the time when I would want to listen to it, which maybe relates to the guy, the guy going to the gym. Uh, certainly wouldn't want to put this on in the gym. Uh, <laughs> well, certainly enough, you don't want to get, if you want to get anything done. Um, but yeah, really, really great. Like you say, the production was fantastic, and this was one of those. I don't, I wouldn't put it in the same bracket, but I feel like there's a bit of a at the minute like a bit of a trend towards this chamber poppy like really heavily reverbed sumptuous production underneath type music mm-hmm. this is one of those to, to me this year that stood out which says a lot because that's a genre that I'm starting to get a little bit tired of because I feel like it's I just feel like it's getting done to death a bit um, particularly I don't know if it's just because of the, the all the lists seem to have that type of music on but <laughs> a lot of the albums are like oh this is that again and, and they have their own you know quirks and, and, and great things about them but just a little bit tired of that sound overall but this was certainly one that stood out I think maybe because of the the, the variety of the producers like you say uh, Michael and stuff like that it really created a it's, you sit down it's a real experience to listen to and I think that has to be uh, so I can certainly see why people and yourself have put it so high up um, in their lists yeah, I think I think you're right about that sort of trend. I think this has a has a more futurist sort of twist to it though yeah um, I, I agree say, yeah yeah which kind of makes it a bit more unique yeah Definitely, yeah. Excellent. Um, moving on to number threes, Clive. 
What do you got? My number three, probably another one that neither of you have heard, um, is uh, Charlie Bliss with an album Young Enough. Um, Charlie Bliss is an American four-piece power pop band from Brooklyn, New York, uh, with Eva Hendrix as the lead vocalist. And there goes the end of the Wikipedia bit. <laughs> this is their second studio album. I was a big fan of their debut, Guppy. I don't think it made any of my lists. It might, it might. It certainly would have been close. I really liked it. This is much more poppy, and I've strangely not had that much success introducing this to others, which I found a bit odd because to me it's really accessible. Uh, but it might be because of Eva's vocals, which are kind of uh, they're quite auto-tuned on this. In my opinion, not in an offensive way, in a, in a way that's. Uh, artistic and uh, aids the album um, and perhaps like her vocals are maybe a bit too sweet sounding for some like she's got this really kind of bubblegum pop sweet vocal style which I think provides like this really wonderful juxtaposition with the darkness of her lyrics quite often and the quite grungy sound that the rest of the band are making um, I really like that kind of juxtaposition and I think it can if you concentrate on the vocals alone you might think oh this is you know just some sweet bubblegum pop uh, <laughs> but I think there's a lot more going on than that um, if you pay attention to the lyrics and what's happening with with the band, um, this isn't really a good example of the darkness, but a good example of uh, just the 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 theme of the album, I guess. Which again, this is another album where you could definitely pick out songs they'd work on their own, but uh, it's a little bit more thematic, I'd say, than Jane, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, and I'm going to continue to pronounce wrong and feel like an idiot when I listen to this next week uh, <laughs> by Brittany Howard. Um, but it's like I say, you could pick out the songs individually. Um, there's this song on it, Capacity, which is absolutely fabulous. It's this kind of life-affirming, I've learnt my lessons type song that treads that tightrope of being relatable while not being too cheesy, faultlessly. Um, I think that's a difficult topic to, co- to cover in a positive way and not make it cheesy as hell. Particularly in this sort of style, uh, easier to do in like a maybe 70s uh, style than this kind of really modern power poppy style. It's one of my favourites of the year. Again, would be in my top five songs along with uh, the one I mentioned earlier from Brittany Howard. It's essentially about the realisation that you don't have to be good at everything and that you don't have to fill every minute of your life with something useful. I've uh, put on put that in quotation marks there for those who can't see me, which is everyone. Um, and and you, you just can't change everything. That you're essentially just like a speck of meaningless dust in a meaningless universe. And that's kind of liberating. And I particularly love the part where it's... Um, I was raised an East Coast witch Like doing nothing sacrilegious Triple overtime ambitious Something... <laughs> Fuck, fucked up the most important line <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> nothing is delicious Which I think sums up this kind of uh, vibe That we have to be just yeah doing nothing sacrilegious uh, you know, whereas her opinion is sometimes nothing is delicious, which is very right. Um, we've got this kind of modern culture of doing constantly have to be doing stuff, um, which is great. And I think it's a really cathartic, fantastic song that builds and builds and builds into. Yeah, it's one of those songs I just put. I think the first time I heard it, I listened to it like seven times in a row, which doesn't usually happen to me in songs because I'm a very albumy person because I'm a pretentious twat. But um, yeah, it's brilliant. I think I summed it up, if I do say so myself, best on Rate Your Music after after I listened to this album at work, where I put this uh, this short review. This thing just single-handedly got me out of a bit of a slump. It's so goddamn lovable. Irresistible melodies and vocals, relatable lyrics, and a simplicity that makes the whole thing such a joy. Song picks for me, Capacity, Under You, Fighting in the Dark, Hurt Me, and Hard to Believe. Uh, yeah, check it out. That is... Uh, Young Enough by Charlie Bliss. He says, Fabulous little album. He says we haven't heard of it. Michael, is he right? 
I'm afraid so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I but, think... it's, but it sounds fantastic, that, from that, like, doesn't it? We've got to say. Well, I think Clive is now officially the more hipster of the two of you. Seems like it, doesn't it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe you can reclaim that crown with your next pick, Michael. Uh, well, I'll have a go. <laughs> love the vocals, Clive, as well. Love that. Yeah, I don't know why I decided to sing it, but you know. Sometimes you just have happens. to, don't you? Sometimes you just got to sing. I think it's been about, hmm, must be five years since I sung on the podcast, but I don't think that's yeah. going to change today. Too, too long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, at number three, I've got The Book of Traps and Lessons by Kate Tempest. Tempest is a British spoken word artist who's had, um, I would say, a groundswell of momentum uh, coming into this album. She's not widely known, but I did see a live late last year in which she performed this album in its entirety, um, as well as tracks from her earlier albums, and uh, that was a brilliant gig. This is, I mean, I don't have loads to say about this, to be honest, because really you can't do it any finer justice than sitting down and listening to it. The lyrics are very powerful, beautiful, exactly what you'd want from an album of spoken word poetry, essentially. Uh, production is interesting because it's uh, it's been stripped back a bit from uh, a previous album, Let Them Eat Chaos, and I think one of the things that's worth noting about that is she worked with, not entirely, but partly with Rick Rubin on this album, um, and he seems to have played a part in that. I think Rubin's had an interesting trajectory from being, obviously, a hotshot producer who emerged in the 80s. By the noughties, he was becoming known as, obviously, he's one of the... Um, the foremost players in the loudness war of um, of really ruining music production uh, with the the loudness of it, uh, and also in his in a separate right as a sort of dinosaur of production who was working with acts like Metallica and Linkin Park, and uh, according to reports, not really doing a lot of uh, production. Actually, a very hands off, less fair approach to uh, to studio work, but. Um, this this album's probably the best thing I've heard that he's been involved in, certainly since uh, Kanye West's Yeezus. So I think he's had a bit of a resurgence in the in the 2010s. I think the best two produced tracks are, to, at the end of the album, Holy Elixir, which is um, very steadily building electronic production, and then the gorgeous piano production for the closing track, People's Faces, which is, uh, I think, an absolutely uh, amazing track, really floors you at the end of this album. The whole thing to me seems to be uh, well. I thought it was a bit le- a bit less overtly political than previous work, and a little bit more abstract. But I still, I'm still whether this is my error, I'm still reading it as a thinly veiled Brexit reference throughout. And this last track is really, I think, it's a, it's an appeal to. It's very mournful, and I think it's an appeal to bring people together, but not in that uh, that sort of meaningless. Uh, smirkingly insulting way that you hear from people on the uh, on the leave side of the the Brexit uh, dichotomy more so it's it's dripping with uh, empathy and an actual sense of loss uh, I saw it going back to what we were talking about marketing earlier I saw it on an advert on ITV advertising their upcoming dramas and I just thought obviously someone in their department loves this song and just thought yeah let's use that but it doesn't really feel like it's right for that sort of thing uh, it's an outstanding track that belongs at the end of this album and probably nowhere else, I would say. As well, a great accompaniment to this album, which was, I would say, more political, was Tempest's performance on a track from um, another excellent album of the year. Um, that's the um, Trust in the Light Force of the Deep Mystery by 
The Comet Is Coming, who are um, a psychedelic sort of jazz outfit fronted by Shabaka Hutchings from London. So that's worth checking out as well in accompaniment to this album, I think, in terms of uh, Tempest's performance during the uh, during the year of 2019. So, and that, that track's Blood of the Past, by the way, I should name it. So uh, I'm not sure I have much else to say, but I thought this was... It's unique because I don't listen to a lot of spoken word, really. Um, but I think in terms of that, she's clearly grown as a standout artist, certainly within the British scene. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of things she can do with her style and sound going forward. I think her style has... Uh, I even saw it parodied in Private Eye this year, actually, her style. So I think it's it's interesting when you've reached a, reached a point like that that you can actually be... You know, you're getting parodied in a, uh, what is, you know, a well-established magazine like that. So, yeah, can't wait to see what she continues to do. But I would say this is her strongest work so far, obviously, having it highly as highly ranked as number three. So, at the moment, very exciting and an excellent album. Fantastic. And another one that I've heard, um, I'd actually heard uh, some of her work before um, you put her forward to me. I'm not, not sure why exactly. Um, I liked it. I think... Personally, I'd have to I have to be in the right mood to listen to spoken word, but um, the, the lyrics are are superb, and yeah, I I need to listen more to it as a, I need to listen to a lot more of what you've given me a lot more, but um, I really enjoyed this one as well. Clive, good. Any thoughts? Um, this is it's funny that you should bring this up, uh, you hipster bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You might have just taken the hipster crown off me because, yeah, I'd heard of Kate Tempest before this, um, but I just kind of assumed she was an acoustic guitar singer-songwriter for some reason. Right. And that had not necessarily put me off, but put her in a list with a load of other people that I hadn't got around to checking out yet. Whereas if I'd known she was a spoken word poet with, you know, musical backing, I'd have been like, yes, that is exactly what I want, and I'd listen to it. Right. Um, and I, so I haven't listened to this album properly, but I think it would be pretty high up my list, I imagine. Um I haven't. Like, I need to listen to it fully, but I've loved everything I've heard. It was about three days ago I was at work, and Elle sent me people's faces, and I remember sat at my work. I had a couple of like pretty stressy days for various reasons, and like the opening line, I'm gonna have to the opening um, sort of verse, which I'm gonna have to do in a London accent, otherwise it doesn't uh, doesn't rhyme. <laughs> so I haven't become southern. Don't worry. Um, it's coming to pass. <laughs> my country's coming apart. The whole thing's becoming such a bumbling farce. Uh, and that those that sort of opening verse just drew me in completely. Uh, I stopped my work, I sat there, and I listened to it, and it totally took me back to after the whole Brexit vote thing. Uh, pretty much how I felt, um, yeah. which was weird um, because I, I still remember. I don't think I'll ever forget that day of like walking around and just feeling a bit weird. Then I just completely related to like everything that she was saying because even though I mean, I'm sure Brexit voters will argue that this isn't my country. I very much feel like it is. Bing bong boom, post edit Clive here with a shitty mic. Uh, obviously, I don't mean all Brexit voters. What a blanket statement that was. And I don't like blanket statements. Um, yeah, I'm not putting, I'm not painting you all with the same brush. Some Brexit voters. Bye. And yeah, it just, the way that it was really poetic, I've got so much more, I think the main sort of development in my musical sort of. I don't know the way I've been appreciating music is is the way I've been paying more attention to lyrics, which I think is largely because of Dylan. I think I figured that I like Dylan so much because uh, what he was doing that other musicians weren't was the fact that his lyrics were 
not necessarily speaking to me, but I just found them really interesting, whereas a lot of music's lyrics I just don't find as interesting. So I've been sort of concentrating on trying to find people who are really good with lyrics. And the, the problem I have is I love poetry, but I don't, I'm very, I think I've spoken about this before, I don't, like I don't, I struggle to feel emotion unless there's music going on <laughs> with anything in life. Um, so the, the fact that it has like a musical backing to her poetry is perfect because uh, that really makes it resonate with me way more than it would if I just heard someone reading it out. So yeah, this is an album I definitely need to check out. And the production on that song was so, I don't know if Rick Rubin, did he do the whole album? Um, no, I think it was also just... done with Dan Carey, who I think is a, a right. long-time collaborator. So. Okay, yeah, so the production on this song in particular is just like this really simple piano and I think it was absolutely perfect. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited to give this a listen and wouldn't be surprised if it ended up, uh, you know, if I look back at this year in five years' time as one of my favourites, we'll see. But, um, yeah, this that song in particular just really hit me hard. I was just sat at my desk crying and everyone was probably staring at me going, what's wrong with Clive? <coughs> uh, <laughs> well, not saying anything because they're all English. Uh, but, yeah, it was... <laughs> And that would have been awkward. Um, but yeah, yeah, so this is, I'm glad this has appeared on your list, Michael. Awesome. Yeah. Um, really I'll, good be, I'll, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, properly. do. There we are. Fantastic. Um, we're getting into, you know, the uh, the big time now. Um, <laughs> Clive, what didn't quite make number one? So that's a different spin on Colby at number two. <laughs> I mean, I don't like I don't like that spin, but all right. <laughs> Um, so my number two and I think these two definitely Michael will have heard I'd be surprised if he hasn't because uh, they fall well actually I'm not going to say any more than that so I don't want to give it away but um, yeah number two I've got JPEG Mafia with all my heroes are cornballs uh, which is was just a massive curveball I didn't expect to love this this much on, on my Rate Your Music review again just one sentence really I've put beautiful chaos one of a kind Peggy is a Peggy is punk in a hip hop rapper and um, I don't mean rapper, rapper, a rapper, rapper. <laughs> you know, like a like a dairy milk rapper, not a got it, not a rapper that makes says loads of words in a short space of time. Um, so JPEG Mafia is an American rapper, singer, and record producer from Baltimore. Uh, he made a mark last year with his album Veteran, which I didn't really listen to enough, but I need to go back to. This is his third album, and it's just it's a real melting pot of influences. There's like in my head, there's kind of this ambient. Again, I'm not the biggest. Uh, genre nerd I can't say I know all that much about genres but I can certainly hear a lot of ambient influences I listen to a lot of ambient stuff Glitch Hop I think it's called uh, I think there's a bit of trap in there there's some noise rock uh, there's like some some pretty guitar-y rocky grungy stuff in there as well uh, there's just a whole mix of everything this album never sits still. In Keenan versus Kel, uh, one of my favourite tracks, for example, it starts off with this sort of smooth drumming guitar track with JPEG Bracken being over the top, remarkably quickly and smoothly. Um, and then out of nowhere, everything just disappears and there's this sort of synth reminiscent of an air raid siren comes in. Uh, <laughs> just out of nowhere, uh, the drums jump up a notch and then JPEG starts screaming his head off and he's just like, OK, I did not see that coming. Um, JPEG's vocals here deserve a special mention. I love uh, someone who's got vocal... Versatility, I think there isn't many people who do it because I think there's this thing of having to make you singing perfect. I think people are too scared to try something that maybe they're not great at, but that actually then it lends a bit of variety to the performance. You don't, I don't think you have to nail everything 10 out of 10 if you throw something different out vocally that isn't a 10 out of 10, uh, but makes it a bit different. That can be good sometimes rather than just singing the exact same style in every single song. Uh, it can get a little bit tiring, I think. Uh, and I think it's often those vocalists who push the boundaries and maybe don't absolutely nail everything. In fact, sometimes it's better if they don't absolutely nail anything because it gives it some character that make that stand out to me. And JPEG is absolutely one of those. 
Um, his rapping is super smooth. His screams are just really intense and full of friction. And he's got this really uh, and surprisingly affecting falsetto singing that comes in now and again as well. He just he never sits still. It's like a it's a ride with a ton of different turns that somehow never end up in the same direction. And yeah, I just love it. It's a beautiful energetic mess that comes together to create something really unique. Uh, and my favourite, I've been doing a lot of lyrical quoting, my favourite lyric, which I think kind of sums it up, um, comes from the song Free the Frail, which is probably the most accessible song on the album in that it kind of sits a little bit still. <laughs> it doesn't change every 10 seconds to something completely different. Um, which, where he sings, Don't rely on the strength of my image. If it's good, then it's good. Break it down. This shit is out of my hands. Uh, which is basically saying he's not relying on the strength of his image. And if it's good, then it's good. Break it down, this shit is out of my hands. He's just going out there, he's doing his stuff. He's not relying on the strength of his image. He's certainly not. He's, this is uber creative. It's like a insight into his brain. Uh, and this shit really is good. So, yeah, check, check it out. A really, a really surprising entry for me, because I, I listened to it thinking I'd like it. Uh, maybe I thought it would be a bit too manic. I don't know, even though I do have a, a, a like of things that are a bit manic. But... Yeah, just just great. I put this on regularly, and I continue to find things in it that I didn't notice before uh, that are fantastic. And also, I just cannot... It's one of those... Usually with albums, I know, like, okay, that song's finished. This one's now coming in. My head's like, clock that. In this one, I still, I'm still surprised <laughs> at times. <laughs> oh, I don't remember this bit coming in. Um, and, and that's so great. After, like, you know, 20, 30 listens, that, that an album can still do that. So yeah, this is my number two. Absolutely fabulous. And I'm sure Michael's probably heard it. Wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, wrong. Oh, fucking hell, Michael. <laughs> I thought this would be right up your street. Oh, yeah, if, and I'm, if, I, want, I want to hear this. I've only recently started listening to JPEG Matthew. I've not heard anything from this album. Um, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty certain I'll, I'll love the, I will love this when I hear it. So um, there was nothing there that I didn't like the sound of, obviously. It sounds, yeah, right up my street, like you say. Uh, and he seems like a pretty exciting artist. Yeah, an absolute live wire, I think. Yeah, just like it, it seems as if, okay, this is what was in my head. It's going down. I'm not thinking about song structure. I'm thinking about nothing. This is just how it's come out of my head, and that's how it is. Deal with it. Yeah. And there's something great about that. For sure, <laughs> yeah. There isn't a, 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 with the exception of maybe Free the Frail, there isn't a track on it that has a conventional song structure in any way whatsoever. That's um, mad. And that's, <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the fact that that works is pretty amazing. Yeah. Michael, you have disappointed me here. Um, it's going to take a lot for you to claim back um, <laughs> your, your I feel crown. like you're turning this into a battle. Oh. <laughs> uh, it, it's always been a battle, Clive. You might not have known it, but um, anyway, you can take your swing anyway, Michael. What have you got yep. at number two? Okay, well, at number two, uh, I've got, got some hip-hop for you. Um, yes. I mean, no metal on my top five this year, by the way. I know I had two last year, I think. Maybe even three, can't remember. But yeah, so time for some hip hop. Gotta say, um, British hip hop right now absolutely slaying it. So this mm -hmm. year, so many release great releases that aren't on in my top five. Uh, Ignorance is bliss by Skepta. Uh, Heavy is the head by Stormzy. Grey area, Little Sims. Nothing great about Britain. Slow tie. Grime MC by Jamie. The self-titled debut by AJ Tracy. Gigs released a new one. Um, and Heady One was busy taking Drill Mainstream, essentially. But the crown jewel in all of that is what, in my opinion, is the best British hip-hop album ever made. Psychodrama by Dave. 
so that's why I've got a number two. Um, this album is well. What what I've compared it to really is the um, the high highly conceptual exuberance of Kendrick Lamar. That's the artist it put me most in mind of, and that's why it's going to be such a thrill to see how Dave develops from here. Uh, but as a debut, this is outstanding. I think that well, yeah. If you look at the versatility of Dave's talents, I mean, he's also an actor. Uh, he plays the piano a lot on this album as well. It's just, I mean, I'm just thinking where to start. The album's got it, it's it deals with very thoughtful and heavy going issues of what it's like to grow up black in modern Britain. Uh, we see that most clearly in the track "Black," which was one of my favourites of last year, and is, I mean, it it's it's basically a history lesson in track form. Uh, and utterly moving, as so much of this album is. The epic track Leslie is really, I think, puts me in mind of the storytelling abilities of the likes of Primetime Eminem and Outkast. I can't give many higher compliments than that. The album's got bangers as well. Stretham is um, certainly one of them. The track Voices is a much more upbeat and optimistic track. Uh, the use of um, skits with a therapist that are threaded throughout the album give big hints in terms of the way that the album deals in a direction of dealing with mental health, which I think is an excellent thing and definitely is starting to move into um, you know, the public conversation a lot more, which can only be a brilliant thing. I think this album uh, relates to that, certainly. Also, a trope that's been used on previous hip-hop albums by Eminem and Tyler, the creator, two artists I've already mentioned on this podcast. The, uh, the album features high-profile back-to-back guest appearances from two of the British music scenes at the moment most interesting and um, exciting artists operating on the fringes of British hip-hop. They're not exactly hip-hop artists, obviously, but Burner Boy, who is Nigerian but is really a part of the British music scene, I would say, at the moment, on location, and um, Jay Horse, who's just dropped an excellent uh, second album on the track Disaster. Um, what I like about Dave's style is that, obviously, as I say, it's tackling very important subject matter, does so in a very elegant way. He raps um, with a very exciting flow that really brings you into the track, into the production. But also, he likes to drop cheesy one-liners throughout that I think could could hamstring the whole thing. But somehow it seems to work and adds a comedic value to it, I think. The tracks that... Well, the tr- tracks that take their, their names from the title of the album, Psycho, the first track, and Drama at the end, are very, are very dense, sort of psychologically afflicting tracks. Uh, there's, I mean, there's the, the piano beat on Environment is so floaty. It's it's uh, got a really aerodynamic quality to it. Um, I just, I, I mean, I could really wax lyrical about the album for a long time. I do think it is the best one to have come out of the British hip hop scene ever, uh, which is significant because, as I hinted at, how strong the whole scene has been recently, and I think this album, in combination with all of those others, has played so much of a part in switching the you know, the capital cities of hip-hop from, I would say, New York City to, and Los Angeles, as they always were, and it would have been unthinkable, really, to get them to shift anywhere else, but for now, now for me, they are Atlanta and London. And at the start of the decade, the idea that you would be saying that about London uh, in terms of hip-hop 
probably would have seemed quite laughable, you know, uh, British hip-hop, although it had some starlets. Uh, they largely flew under the radar, and uh, the scene, I think, felt a bit moribund until the middle of the decade. And that's I think that's the amazing thing, the fact that it was probably as recently as uh, 2014 when uh, Meridian Dan's German Whip and uh, Skepta's That's Not Me came out, that Grime started to resurge, and then the whole thing really spun off from there. And yeah, Dave was obviously in the headlines uh, in a controversial sense a few weeks ago for his performance at the Brit Awards. But I think he spoke for a lot of people, and not just black people, in this country with some of the things he put into that performance. Uh, similarly to the way Storms he did a couple of years ago at the same ceremony. And uh, yeah, he's also had a lot of great standalone singles before this year and during this year as well. The track Professor X from the Top Boy soundtrack and the track Paper Cuts as well, both big highlights. So the mind boggles as to the possibilities really for where he could go as an artist. Um, and you you don't want to say it really because it, it, it suggests disappointment in a way, but you think how can he, I mean, how can you outgrow as outstanding a debut as this is? Is it going to be something like an Illmatic, which even though I love Nas's second album, it was written, you know, all of his albums were then subsequently judged in the shadow of Illmatic and it, it really seemed to affect him as an artist, I think, a little bit. Or I mentioned Kendrick, who, as I say, spins so many plates simultaneously in terms of the way he operates as an artist, the topics he deals in, uh, the mu what he does musically in terms of the direction he takes his albums. Uh, if Dave can have anything like the success he's had in his consistency in doing that and the ridiculously high level that he operates on, then that's, that's the dream. That's what you'd want to see. And again, for such a young act as well... Um, I think to have pulled off an album like this that gives you some confidence that you might just be able to do it but this is an outstanding album uh, as I've hopefully just made clear um, another one that I've listened to um, loved it actually I, I think I, I always associated British hip hop with cringe until fairly recently maybe unfairly but um, it just didn't seem to work but um, this I think I'm obviously nowhere near as well versed as you are in this, but um, there the definitely seem to have been a, a corner turned. Yeah. Um, where do you think it happened? So when, what was, obviously this is one of your favourites, but what was the album that kind of seemingly turned things around? Well, I mentioned the two tracks from 25 that I think kick-started it. Obviously these things bubble at, the, at an underground level, so it just you have to wait and see how they manifest in the mainstream, and I think that was, it was with those two tracks. Obviously, one of those tracks, That's Not Me by Skepta, is from the album Konnichiwa, which won the Mercury Music Prize in 2016. And that was a landmark, even though obviously um, Dizzy Rascal had won it way back. You know, I think mm -hmm. that, was, that was the point where it became acceptable again in a way if you like and then obviously Psychodrama I didn't mention it but it went on to win the, the same award this year so I think that was the turning point and I think Skepta played as big a part in it as anyone did and then obviously Stormzy is the post, the mainstream poster boy for the whole thing Fantastic Clive are you a fan or do you even know much about this? Yeah yeah I've heard this this was on my again roundabout number 20 I think. I, I think Clive um, might have mentioned this to me before I knew who Dave was to be honest just before it came just around about the time it came out I think. Yeah I think I'd listened to the track Leslie here Michael and that's when I say because that is such a <laughs> yeah um, 
yeah, just it was. I've written here on my review music review that one of the most affecting pieces of art I've experienced this year, which um, is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. A really, really great song. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to. I've just looked up on my review here because I tried to figure out why it didn't get higher on my list. What I've put here is that um, uh, despite the massive highlights, there's a bit to uh, the, the production isn't all that varied, and it, to me, it got a little bit stale in its 51 minute running length when the lyrics weren't speaking to me as much. Uh, which I think is more testament to the fact I have the attention span of a tiny mouse. Um, tiny mouse. Probably anything to, yeah, tiny, not just a, not just a, not a regular mouse, mouse. Just any mouse. mouse. <laughs> yeah. A baby, a baby mouse, and they have zero attention span. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> than, than anything about the album, which is why I gravitate to things to think uh, towards things which like JPEG Mafia a bit more probably. Um, but yeah, I certainly there's some some great stuff here. And he does uh, like the two tracks. Uh, I think you the three tracks I've highlighted are Black Environment and Leslie, which I think are ones that you've mentioned that are just yeah really he's doing some really really vocally great stuff, um, which is super. So I'm super excited to see where he goes and perhaps I just need to sit down and listen to this again. But yeah, it was I do. It, <laughs> It, 51 minutes is hitting the long side of an album for me, uh, as we've <laughs> known in the past. Uh, yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's what held it back uh, to some degree. If it's 51 minutes long, it has to be quite varied and usually a bit fast and energetic uh, for me to, to hold my attention, if you get what I mean, which this isn't. But yeah, it's definitely a great album and I can see why it's done so well. And it's great to see it doing so well and it covers so many topics that need to be talked about. Um, and it's great to see that being doing well in the mainstream with that as well and um, yeah particularly the mental health side of things I think that's he's got some really interesting input on that and like I say Leslie is I think you summed it up when you said the story te- the storytelling on that song is great it is the way he weaves the story just has you have me completely hooked from start to finish yeah um, and even does on subsequent listens when you know what's happening <laughs> which is what's most impressive about it because you think oh well I know how the story pans out now I'm not going to pay as much attention but every time it comes on I I'm drawn into it and have to pay attention to the lyrics. And that's testament to the really, really good writing. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. So we're now moving into the end game. Uh, Clive, which musical album, not musical, music album, uh, impressed you the most in 2019? West Side Story. <laughs> um, no, so this is where I thought we were going to overlap on number one, but you pretty much... Uh, poo-pooed that as soon as you started Michael and you mentioned this in your honourable mentions alright um, I've got my number one is Tyler the Creator's Igor wow um, <laughs> which I thought you might have near here but you don't so I'm interested to hear Not what quite. your number yeah. one's going to be alright so, uh, Tyler Gregory Oconma, uh, which is his name, better known as Tyler the Creator, is an American rapper, singer-songwriter, record producer and music video director. He rose to prominence in the early 2010s as the co-founder and de facto leader of the alternative hip-hop group Odd Future and has performed and produced songs for nearly every Odd Future release. Um, again, I'll, do, I'll start with my little Rate Your Music review, which is one line long, which is usually a good summary. A murky odyssey that flows beautifully from one song to the next. Tyler's crafted his own niche here with something really unique. Um, bass, bass, bass. This 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 album. It's it's all about the bloody bass. As soon as you put it on, it's just you're swamped by bass. There's tons of it. The kick drum kind of beats like an elephant's heart. The bass is so huge that you feel like you could probably lie down in it. And it's the bass and drums that really tie the album together. I feel uh, they kind of keep the album flowing nicely from one one dream to the next. Um, there's quite often like a break in the bass and the drums where Tyler maybe introduces a new melody and then bam, they're back in again um, and, you, and you feel at home again and that kind of theme running throughout the album is, is there again. Um, this is 
truly an album where songs flow seamlessly from one to another all the way through. It's not one that I would necessarily pick songs out of and say that they work out of context. Not that I've tried. Uh, I'm sure there are some that do. But I think that you have to listen to it in context to really get it. It's also infinitely danceable in a way that no hip-hop album has been for me since Nas' Illmatic, uh, which (laughs) Michael mentioned earlier. And we seem to mention every episode just because it's so bloody good. We do, yeah. Uh, That's one of my my very, very, very favourite albums of all time. Um, And this is dancing in a similar way. So... a good example is the, the bass and drums that I've mentioned before. Throughout the album, they're just infectiously groovy, even though they're really industrial sounding. Like on a Nazilmatic, they're not industrial sounding at all. It's got a very good groove to it. This is groovy in a completely different way, and yet in a similar way, in a strange way. Uh, New Magic Wand is probably a really good example of this, where the bass is so rough that it sounds like someone's sawing a cello in half, and yet it's groovy <laughs> as hell. Um <laughs> And then Tyler has, he's got lots of um, catchy sections and traditional verses, but a little bit like JPEG, there's just no traditional song structures in sight um, as Igor flows from one section to the next. The whole thing feels, the whole thing feels like a dream and a wonderful one. And it's, it's just a great album and I could put it on all the time. This does work both as a background album and one to attentively listen to. It's less ADHD than um, JPEG Mafia in that it's, I could see someone getting annoyed with JPEG Mafia because it's so intensely, uh, I think, live wire. (laughs) This is a bit more chilled, but it's more smooth the way it goes from one to the next. Um, So they're they're quite different in that regard, even though they're similar in terms of the fact they don't um, stick to song structures and stuff. Um, And it's it's great. It's great. It's great. My favourite songs are Igor's theme, the opener, Earthquake, I think, and uh, New Magic Wand that I mentioned earlier. Um, there's something, another point that I just had in my head that's just sort of floated off and disappeared, uh, which maybe will reappear. But uh, Michael, do you want to say what you think about this? Because seeing as you've <laughs> yeah. also listened to it. Yeah, it's a really good album. Uh, I remember I talked about it on the live podcast we did from Sheffield. Um, a, a Boy's A Gun is my favourite track, I think. Uh, but the whole thing is very dreamy, like you said. It's quite surreal. Uh, it's got that narrative structure to it, a uh, whole... Uh, plot of a love triangle uh, that plays out across it and I think what what it's really established for me is you listen to a lot of artists and you might love that artist but you think can they keep this momentum going for years can they make an entire career and a respected catalogue out of it I don't have any doubts about that with Tyler the Creator I mean at one point there was a there was a question of whether he would ever go on to make a great album but now he's undoubtedly made two in a row and I think he's he's carved out a niche for himself. This barely registers as hip hop, really, even though it's influenced by that a lot, obviously. Um, and I can now imagine him continuing to make records of this sort for decades with a cult following behind him. And I, I like I have no doubt about that. And it'll be it, that's a journey I'd love to go on um, because these last two albums, um, Scumfuck, Flower Boy, and Ego, are. Uh, Absolute. Well, the, I mean, they're just marvelous to listen to. I love to mention Scumfuck Flower Boy whenever I can because I remember when I, <laughs> I remember, I remember when I said, uh, "When are we going to start talking about it as the uh, the pet sounds of hip hop?" Which might sound a little bit overblown, obviously. And then Alex called it an accidental Nathan Barley. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> which you did not take well, as I recall. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I didn't at the time. But um, yeah, uh, that was my insecurity. But um, yeah, this this is a great album. Um, definitely one of the best of the year. Could have easily made my list, as I said. Just just got pipped there at the last minute. But yeah, I'm totally in on Tyler the Creator's artistic vision right now. Couldn't be more excited about it. 
Yeah, super. And he's, I've not listened to much of his other stuff, so I'm going to go back and uh, listen to that based on how much I love this. It's but, well, um, yeah, it's a lot. The thing I, I want. Sorry, I was just going to say. I'm just going to say, like as a guide for that, the last album is very much uh, in this in this niche, this style. I think you'll love that. Uh, the ones before Great. are a lot more fragmented and unusual, and uh, well, I would say a bit less mature, basically. Um, but there, that's that's all you need to know, really. Cool. Awesome. I'll have to check them out. The thing I was going to mention, I've just remembered, is something I mentioned on the live podcast. Uh, you reminded me of it there, Michael, when you said that you talked about it. Was uh, DJ Carla's reaction? Oh, which I amazing. Quote, quoted then, but I'm going to quote it again because I just fucking amazing. love it. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> So DJ Carly's album got taken off. Uh, well, I don't know. It just didn't make number one because of Tyler the Creator. Yeah, it was number um, two. And his his reaction was, "I make albums so people can play it, and you actually hear it. You know, driving your car, you hear another car playing it. You know, go to the barber shop, you hear them playing it. You know, turn the radio on, and you hear them playing it. It's called great music. It's called albums that you actually hear the songs, not no mysterious shit that you never hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> the most fantastic." comical put down of anything I've ever heard absolutely I mean, uh, look how, <laughs> just how irate he was about that he's amazing <laughs> a D- and Tyler should very much go the Stuart Lee route of having DJ Khaled mysterious shit you never hear on the album cover <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually that actually relates to another thing because this was this was his first number one album which I think makes that incident even better and yeah, I think I think critically and commercially, he's just been rewarded in every way for what he's doing at the moment. So amazing, fantastic. Um, I have listened to some of this, not all of it. Um, I, I am a fan of him as a person as much as an artist, though. Um, he had a documentary series on Vice, the TV channel. Um, it was a bit like Louis Theroux if Louis Theroux was a far, fairly different person, uh, <laughs> Tyler the Creator going around experiencing things, and it was extremely watchable. Uh, he's, he's very witty. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realise that. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> well, yeah, I think this is the thing. When he was younger, um, I think, obviously, a lot of what he did was a lot more barbed than it is now, and people misunderstood it a lot. And it's true that a lot of the stuff he did might have been interpreted as misogynistic or homophobic, but I think we saw that there's always a, more, a greater complexity to it than that with the fact that I don't think he's ever formally come out as bisexual or gay, but a lot of people interpreted his previous album as a sort of coming out in some ways. So it, it's quite a complex character, but he's always been fascinating to hear from. Yeah. Right. Uh, the moment of truth now with Michael Johnson. What made your number one? DJ Khaled. <laughs> the <Has> revenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Um, yeah, the number one on mine is something I don't think I've ever mentioned before, but to anyone who followed lists at the end of last year, it's not going to be any form of shock. It's Norman fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey. Um, I haven't actually heard any other Lana Del Rey albums, I must confess, although I'm very familiar with the sort of styles and aesthetics that she played around with, which were a lot of Americana, but there was a sort of bizarre combination of a, a desert-based, desert-based trip-hop style uh, that she moves away from on this album, uh, really. A lot of it is more uh, orchestral and piano ballads, um, that sort of big Baroque style. 
this is. I mean, I'm going to struggle to put this into words because this is an absolutely immense album. It's a, it's a towering album in in terms of lyric, lyrics in particular. Um, it's effectively a singer songwriter album. He works with on this album with Jack Antonoff of the band Fun, who has worked with a lot of high profile names. I think probably one of his most treasured contributions was on Lord's album Melodrama, but definitely outdone here by this this record. So, I mean, the entire thing, again, really delves into... It delves into the heart of darkness at the centre of America. And I don't think there could be a more interesting time to do that. Uh, I mean, Dave's album's called Psychodrama, but that's what this is, for sure. Um, and the whole thing just peers behind the curtain and really, you know, that that whole... It, it looks deeply into the glitz and the horror that exists simultaneously behind the curtain in America, uh, in the way that a lot of art in the past has done. Um, the opening track, uh, the title track, um, is one of the, the standouts, which, I mean, isn't an easy thing to select because there's so many here. Uh, but it has those, it, the piano just sort of... It rolls like Bacalm tidal waves, and the way that she sings over it is um, su just superb to listen to. I know that um, I have to give uh, Pitchfork the credit for. Well, the the opening tr uh, lyric of the album is superb. It's, uh, it, I mean, it really sets the tone. Goddamn manchild, you fucked me so hard that I almost said I love you. Um, and P Pitchfork, I have to give them credit for um, well, not the whole lyric certainly, but the first bit of it for uh, commenting that. Uh, just the phrase goddamn manchild is basically the national mood of America at the moment. Um, but the, uh, the there's, there's, there's so many epics in that vein that continue throughout the album. I mean, on any other album, if the quality wasn't so consistent, then it would be hev it would be uh, very top-heavy. Because we then go into uh, Mariner's Apartment Complex, which is a, a sh quite a short but epic track. Uh, much longer and epic is uh, the track Venice Bitch, which is has a superb... Um, sort of slinky riff that powers the entire thing. Um, absolutely love that. Uh, there's a cover of um, Doing Time by Sublime, which is somehow spun into really a completely different track. Um, absolutely gorgeous and in the context of this album. Uh, and then it, it is very samey, but because of the strength of the tracks, you don't really mind so much. Uh, the storytelling is absolutely packed with um, terrible men, you know, and, and is really a fascinating char character study, I think. But obviously, it doubles as a character study of the country, like I was saying. There's, I mean, the, the imagery is what really sells it a lot of the time. Um, the closing track, which is well, has an absolutely excellent title. Um, which is hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have, but I have it, which is a beautiful statement. Uh, that, for example, features um, an image of uh, of Delray facetiming her dad from beyond the grave, which I think is a really interesting um, device in terms of storytelling. And um, yeah, the whole the whole thing really has that has that sort of grandeur. Uh, it does dabble a little. You can still hear the traces of the sort of um, that sort of trip hop sheen that makes the track production shimmer a little bit. Uh, you can hear that in certain parts, even though it's she's changed what she does stylistically, from what I understand, on this album. 
Uh, and I just think the whole thing is, like I said, like I was sort of hinting, hinting at, it's sort of packed with psychological Potemkins of of just sort of things that capture a fit of falseness and a sort of um, a, conf- a confection about American life. Uh, and the track The Greatest is definitely one of the best examples of that. It's uh, highly apocalyptic in terms of the... Uh, the lyrical style, and I think was was acclaimed as one of the best tracks of the year uh, last year. Although I think, as I mentioned, that most of the best tracks are at the start of the album. And I think this is one of the most critically lauded albums of the decade, certainly. And in that ma- in that sense, it put me in mind of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West, which was one of the most critically deified albums of the decade, full stop, but definitely at the start of the decade. I think that album was the most acclaimed album since OK Computer, as far as I could see. But... Um, in that sense, you have these two fascinating character studies, I think, by those two artists who I think share a lot in common that people might not realise. Uh, these two albums bookending the decade in critically acclaimed music. And I think they both really capture an America that is perpetually 33 years old, which is the age that both artists were uh, when they wrote these albums, these, their two respective albums, which I think is a fascinating fact to me. And I think there's an there's an entire thesis to be written on the connection between those two albums. So, yeah, as I say, it's hard to really sell the um, the extent of how much I love this album. Every single track across the fourteen uh, tracks that comprise it, and I just think well, and also also a track I should um, I should mention really that uh, that I haven't yet that. I think encapsulates everything that I've said about the album is the track California, truly epic. And I think California is really like it is in a lot of great American art utilized as um, a microcosm or metaphor of the entire thing, you know, a synecdoche for the entire country of the USA. And I think naming the track that um, betrays that on its own, but the, um, the sweeping nature of it in terms of musically incredible chorus that might that might be the track to go to actually to get a feel for what the album is like, but uh, as I said, I couldn't have more praise for this album. And whereas, again, I want to draw that Kanye parallel. Whereas that album, when that came out, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, I don't think I've anticipated an album more in my life. Probably still haven't. And now I'd be interested to do the same thing in reverse and work back through Del Rey's catalogue from this album, and see where that takes me in the reverse direction. And that's they're probably they're probably that's probably a process I'd like to write about. I'd like to tie that whole thing together. But yeah, that's that's the most justice I can try to do this album. I absolutely adore it. Fantastic. I think um, I'd been given a sneak peek of Michael's list because just because I wanted to listen to a few albums before we recorded this, so I could maybe give my opinions a little bit. I was very surprised when you named this. Like I knew Lana Del Rey was you know not considered a totally mainstream musician but i hadn't ever heard you mention her before which now yeah. makes sense having having you said that review yeah um i really enjoyed this again i've only listened to it the once and i was doing i'll admit i was doing manual labor while listening to it <laughs> probably probably not <laughs> the best setting um, maybe <laughs> i mean he's laughing because of the idea of me doing manual labor but you know it, it does occasionally happen um but yeah i, I was actually surprised at the um the lyrical content, um, I found... Well, fr- fr- from the lyrics I did listen to in depth, 
surprisingly poetic. Um, I think I'd assumed Lana Del Rey was a very mainstreamy, you know, fairly bland musician. How wrong I was, um, or at least on the basis of this album. Um, Clive, did this get anywhere near it for you? <clears throat> this is hovering around number 20 again. So no, but again, I really liked it. I'll, I'll read out my review that I wrote because it probably gives a better idea than I can now. Although her breathy, soothing vocals almost beg for lyrics to disappear into thin air before reaching your ears, they're more than occasionally rather engaging. She's always been good at creating atmosphere. However, here she does both that and creates songs which have more to them when listening more attentively. I still find attentive listening difficult with how gentle the whole thing sounds, but it's worth the effort. A well-crafted record. So nothing really negative there. Really enjoyed it. I think perhaps um, Michael touched on it. Maybe it's the, the the fact that it is quite samey that made me not put it as high up and probably the fact that I have this thing, and I've mentioned it before, where if someone is good at singing um, and in a way that sort of you just... you you My brain latches onto the melody rather than what they're singing about and I'd put Lana Del Rey into this category and I've probably missed 99% of the album because of that. I have to really sit myself down and force myself to listen to the lyrics in a way that I just wouldn't really do and I can't sort of keep up for 40 minutes <laughs> because my brain is just not naturally wired to pay attention if the singing is brilliantly in tune which I think is why I love Dylan uh, because his singing is a, a comes out, sticks out in a way that makes me pay attention to it because it's a bit different. And I guess this fits a little bit into that thing I've been talking about, that trend of super sumptuous production with uh, big, heavy reverb vocals over the top thing, which I've sort of grown a little bit tired of, so maybe that's another reason it's not got that high up. But yeah, I can certainly, it's, I mean, everyone, all, everyone's loved it, so clearly I'm missing something. Um, and I certainly didn't dislike it i thought it was great and i think that the, when i was paying attention to the lyrics there's a lot there but it just yeah it's, it's personal taste just a specific thing that i struggle with um <laughs> so lana del rey could probably sing the world's greatest lyrics and i wouldn't necessarily get as much out of them as i could because she sings really well um, <laughs> <laughs> okay um now we're left with the task of Making I think an overall top five. <laughs> well, I mean, I think this is probably just going to be impossible. Well, we can't um, we, we can't do that. But I'm I'm quite happy for uh, Igor to be the podcast that, best that's album what, of the year. That's what I was going to say. It was Clive's number one. It was maybe your number six, Michael. Probably yeah, been? Probably six. Yeah. Um, I think I think Landelway has to be number two on the basis of it being your top album and something that I've listened to and enjoyed as well. Uh, I think beyond that, pretty much impossible. But uh, yeah, <laughs> can I? Ju- I just want to say, I just want to specifically mention that um, this just struck me the other day, and it's purely accidental. But it's uh, it's a beautiful accident. I've, uh, I, I mean, I've, I've on the whole, I've not. I think this has changed in recent years, but I've never. My, my listening habits have always been dominated by males. I've always been heavily male focused, and I think that's a reflection of my experiences and um, and my life. You know, so, but. And I'm a, I'm a believer in positive discrimination in certain contexts, but you, I wouldn't obviously force it into my tastes and my lists and things. But I'm absolutely delighted that this year I've come out with five albums, four of which are by women. Uh, I don't think I've ever done that before. And as I say, it's happened naturally, and I just wanted to mention it because I think it's it's really significant. It, it's always a nice realisation. Um, uh, last, not this year, but the year before, on my films list... I just suddenly realised that my top two films have both been directed by women, um, which, again, like you said, totally accidental. Um, we're not the types who would, you know, shoehorn in a, you know, a yeah. woke pick, as you like, as some yeah. people would call it. 
it, it's just nice when you realise that something like this, I mean, especially, sorry to take you off tangent on a music podcast, but in something like films, film directors, female film directors have not been given as much exposure. Yeah. And it is nice when you when you just see, wow, they're getting a bit more exposure and then their involvement is, is not something you've even noticed. I think that that is the naturalistic way to it. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's difficult because you know those doors aren't being opened. But, mm-hmm. uh, but there's been loads of great music, obviously made by female artists. It just um, it's not dominated the top of my list like this year. But yeah, that's a good thing. But then we've still picked the best album for the podcast by a man. So better luck next time. That's my fault. Definitely <laughs> my fault. I am a massive misogynist. Um, uh, I've only just realised that Charlie Bliss and. My number four, Brittany Howard, are both uh, fronted by women, mm-hmm. or, or are women. So uh, we're probably removing those off the list. Right. Just ignore everything I said. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute garbage. No, um, I've on a serious note, I've listened. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot more female artists again, organically, not really beginning to. Yeah, without, I think I don't think it's just yeah. been. I think there's been a general better coverage of a bit of equal coverage. I think it. Which has generally set, seeped into the mainstream, and that's kind of why it's happened. Um, yeah, which is great. Um, and two, like I say, two of my top five albums were by women, so that's great. Um, and I don't know if that would have happened in, has happened in the past. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and check. I assume probably not. I've certainly listened to way more female artists this year than I ever have done, um, and I think for that reason, it's been one of my favourite years of listening to music. Um, yeah, so definitely a great trend. May long it continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. So there you have it. Uh, Stick Around's best album of 2019 is by Tyler, the creator. And to give it its full title, it is Eagle. <laughs> uh, Correct. <laughs> I was just che- double checking that there wasn't some kind of um, hyphen followed by a long part after that. I don't know why I thought that. Um Right, I think we're pretty much done with our list of 2019. We might do a games one. I'll see what James Flux says, our resident games expert. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe we'll just do some fresh content next. But either way, please make sure you come back. Um, Clive, how might our listeners keep up to date with when we've put out a new episode? You're asking for a, for a, for a, for a plug time! You can get on... Twitter at StickRoundCast. You can, if you follow us there, we'll update you when new episodes come up and whatever's going on. Um, you can follow us on at StickRoundCast podcast, I think, on uh, Instagram slash StickRoundPodcast on Facebook. On the internet, you can go StickRoundPodcast.com. We've got a lovely website. It's got all our episodes on it. Uh, you can go back and listen to the first one, Something and Biscuits. Tea and Biscuits or something. I can't remember what it's called. Um, <laughs> something like that. It's definitely got biscuits in it. And great episode. Just check it out. And you can uh, fill out a contact form, ask us a question, and all sorts of stuff. You can look at a picture of us. I mean, what more could you possibly want? You can, if you you just want to email us without going on the website, stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us a five-star review or a one-star review on iTunes, that'll be great. Get there. Uh, You can find us on Stickaround. We'll be on there. Give us five stars or one star. We want to polarise the shit out of this. Um, and I think that about covers the ways you can get involved. Tell The best thing, though, is tell your friends. There's a podcast called Stick Around and you should listen to it. 
Um, yeah, regarding a games <coughs> top five, I certainly can't do a games top five, but I am going to start talking about board games, which I know all the listeners will be thrilled about. So, um, yeah, so I might start doing top five board games because fuck it, I love lists. We do love lists. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you very much, Michael Johnson. You are welcome. Thank you very much, Clive. No probs. Um, thank you to me. I've been brilliant. Yeah, well. um, <laughs> I, um, I agree. Come back next time for fresh content. Remember to stick around. Stick around. Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around